Size Birthday Biography Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a daily podcast which shines a spotlight on a person born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world who made a positive lasting impact. Today, October 19th, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Annie Smith Peck. She was born on this day in 1850. I am so in love with all of the female explorers and adventurers that we have covered so far on the show. On September 22nd, we learned about Junko Taipei, the first woman to climb Mount Everest. On September 29th, we learned about Anne Bancroft, who was the first woman to cross both poles and ski across Antarctica. And today we get to learn about Annie Smith Peck, who was not only one of the first female college professors in the U.S., but also a proficient mountaineer known for scaling mountains in a very unladylike set of pants. I think what I love most about female adventurers is that they are gender norm anarchists. Going out and climbing mountains and crossing the Arctic and diving to the bottom of the sea, all of that is the opposite of staying in your kitchen. Annie was born in Providence, Rhode Island to George and Ann Peck. She was the youngest of five, but since a baby girl named Emily had died three years before Annie was born, she grew up with three brothers, George Jr., who went on to become a doctor, William, who became a high school principal, and John, a teacher-slash-farmer-slash-engineer. Growing up with only brothers, she enjoyed much of the sports and the athletic activities that they engaged in, and she developed a natural sense of competitiveness. George Sr. was a member of the Providence City Council. He was a very successful lawyer, and he owned a lucrative coal and wood yard. So the Peck family was a prominent one, but also a fairly traditional one, so Annie's parents were a bit concerned when she began attending lectures on abolitionism and women's rights as a teenager. Of all the lecturers that she saw, her favorite was Anna Elizabeth Dickinson, a passionate suffragist and abolitionist who also enjoyed climbing mountains in her free time. While attending these lectures and listening to what these other amazing women were doing, Annie made up her mind to never marry and to commit herself to a life of social justice activism and adventure. Against the express wishes of her family, Annie chose to pursue higher education. This was way more risky than it sounds, as the commonly held belief in the 1800s was that education was actually dangerous for women and that it posed a real threat to their health and their beauty. The thinking was that women would use all of this energy on thinking and learning, and the energy would be sucked out of their uterus, thereby rendering them barren. Her father called her decision to go to college perfect folly until she explained that she was just trying to get an education like her brothers, and her father finally relented and agreed to support her. All the men in her family were alumni of Brown University, but when Annie wrote for admission, the head of the college responded with a letter telling her that it was not the school's policy to encourage the education of women. Thankfully, the University of Michigan had just turned co-ed, so she was able to attend there, albeit in classrooms with gender-segregated seating and laboratories with partitions so that men and women wouldn't touch. Annie graduated in 1881 with a master's degree in classical languages and then applied to the American School of Classical Studies in Athens, Greece, becoming its first ever female student. Between her studies, she began to scale various mountains throughout Europe, finding it a welcome respite from academia and study. Upon completing her studies in archaeology, she came back to the U.S. in 1892 and became a Latin professor at Smith College. Yet, in conversation with her brother John, who was also a college professor, she realized that the vast difference in their salaries was never going to change, and she realized that it was time to move on to something else. 
So she packed up her life into a trunk and she began to tour the country as a lecturer. She began talking about ancient languages, which was her background, but as she began to mountain climb more and more, her lectures started to focus more and more on that. And it turns out there was a much larger audience for a female adventurer than a female Latin teacher. So she began to talk about only mountains. She fell into a very comfortable groove over the next few years. She would do a lecture tour, spend all of that money exploring and mountaineering, come back, do another lecture tour, and so forth and so on. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, Annie climbed over a dozen mountains in Latin America and Europe, including Pico de Orizaba, the highest mountain in Mexico. When she reached the top of that 18,406-foot mountain, she was higher than any woman had ever been in the history of North or South America. In 1895, 44-year-old Annie Smith Peck climbed the Matterhorn, one of the most dangerous peaks in the Alps. The Matterhorn, not just a ride at Disneyland, stands 14,692 feet, straddling the border of Switzerland and Italy. People had only started reaching its summit 30 years before Annie did. There had been other women to reach the summit before her, including Lucy Walker, who hiked up this behemoth while wearing a white dress. So, in traditional form for that day and age, the big news about Annie climbing the Matterhorn wasn't that she had done it, but was that she had done it wearing pants. Pants were just men's clothes back then, end of story. It was not okay to wear pants, no matter what you were doing. Even if you were riding a horse or a bicycle, you were still required to wear a skirt and petticoats and bloomers and other articles of clothing. Women caught doing physical activities while wearing pants were sometimes arrested. The idea of climbing a massive mountain in a dress isn't just impractical, it's straight up dangerous. More than one woman tumbled down an icy crevice or a cliff because they tripped on their own skirts. Back then, propriety over safety was the name of the game. In 1904, Annie decided to tackle Mount Huscaran, the highest point in Peru. The over 22,000-foot ascension of the North Peak made her the first human ever to do so. She also made her own mountaineering gear. She bought leather boots that were four sizes too large so she could wear four pairs of woolen socks at once, and then she hammered short nails into the soles of them to give her extra grip on the icy slopes. Like Junko Taibe, the first woman to climb Mount Everest decades later, Annie had to deal with rampant sexism from male mountaineers. When Annie would scale peaks with men, they would set up camp, and she was the one who was always expected to boil snow, prepare dinner, serve dinner, and clean up everything afterwards. Her consolation was that she did hold the altitude record. There was no person that had gone higher than her on the planet, but that was short-lived. There was another female mountaineer who was hell-bent on breaking Annie's records. Fanny Bullock Workman was trying to break Annie's record over in the Himalayas, scaling the Himalayan pinnacle peak with her husband. She was so obsessive about breaking Annie's record that she hired an entire team of engineers at $300,000, that's almost 8 million bucks today, to triangulate the mountain that Annie had climbed to see if there was any error in calculation. The workman's engineers claimed that due to faulty altimeters, Annie had miscalculated the height by 2,000 feet, and this error gave Annie the record of the highest ascension in the Americas, but Fanny now held the world record. 
This didn't do much, though, to dim her popularity in North America, and when Annie came back to the States, multiple companies wanted to use her image in advertising, including Singer Sewing Machines, which came with posters and pictures of Annie, and a cigarette company called The Oriental Smoke, which included a set of World Explorer trading cards in each box. There were 26 cards in total that you could collect, 25 men and one Annie. Her time in South America had caused her to fall in love with the continent, and she authored several books on it. She lobbied the U.S. government to make her a goodwill ambassador to South America, and they told her, uh, no, you're a woman and you're too old, so go home. Annie decides to focus on what she can do to better her own country's conditions, and she becomes the president of the Suffrage League and a fellow of the Royal Geographic League. In 1911, at the age of 61, she climbed the 21,083-foot Coropuna in Peru, planting a Votes for Women flag at its peak. She would climb her last mountain, Mount Madison in New Hampshire, at 82 years old in 1932. In 1935, she began a world lecture tour, but while climbing the Acropolis of Athens, she collapsed. Diagnosed with bronchial pneumonia, she went back to her home at the Hotel Monterey in New York City, where she died on July 18, 1935. Her ashes were buried in Providence, Rhode Island. My sources today were Wikipedia, PBS, and Rhode Island College. Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Annie Smith Peck. Please join me tomorrow when we celebrate the birth and life of Enolia McMillan, the teacher who became the first ever female president of the NAACP. See you then.